Welcome to the Grow Tribe. Hi, I'm Melissa McGowan, and I love that you're choosing growth. In this podcast, we shine a light on the diverse, messy, and real ways that you grow in leadership and life. We reflect, connect, and share what growth means to us. After two decades supporting growth in business, and of course my own, I firmly believe that where you go with your energy, time, focus, money, and precious resources, you actually grow. We're better together, so stay curious, stay awesome, join our tribe, and feel alive. Thanks so much for being here and being part of the Grow Tribe. It would be amazing if you shared this podcast with others at home, at work, gave it a rate and review in Apple Podcasts, and shared any ideas about what you want to hear more about or who you want to hear from. I love to hear your updates. If you're interested in learning about how to become a Chief Energy Officer, you're looking to fuel your impact in, and your performance, could be you, could be your team, have a look at the link in the show notes about where to start. And as always, drop me an email if you're looking for any support or you've got any insights that you want to share on growth. It's melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at go to grow.com.au. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode, Visibility to Grow. Today, we talk about you and me and us. What better time is there than now as individuals, leaders, and business owners to stop, pause, and debrief with ourselves on who the hell we are why we're doing what we're doing, where are we going, and what is actually possible for us. So we will discuss that. We'll discuss what is possible for us in an external sense if we are open and willing to start with ourselves internally to build our visibility and grow our impact. Now, my obsession with growth is broad, but if I think about the work I do in business, it really stems from a couple of very consistent challenges that I have seen and heard and worked with in business over many, many years. The first one, the results are not what we want. There's misses in the PL, the numbers aren't good. We have to keep pushing people to have them focus in the right area. Do they really understand our strategy? Are our leaders any good in the first place? Number two, my team are killing me. They're taking up too much of my time. They lack initiative. They're not communicating with me clearly. They're getting caught up fighting fires and reacting. So I'm far more hands-on than I should be, but but they need me to be because they're not performing. Organisations are systems and people are systems too. So I hear all those challenges very often. And, you know, there are many other challenges that we have. Think about the variations. My partner is this or not that. My kids are this. My friends, I'm not sure about this company, not sure about this boss, I'm not sure about this job. So I hear all of it and I encourage us to bravely consider what it means for us first as individuals. What is the development opportunity here for us as we continue to grow our self-awareness, to go internal before we can sustainably impact, grow and change others? And I know that's a little bit prickly. But that is what we're about here at go to grow and that is how we are going to really boost and build our individual and collective impact. I've seen many examples over the years 
of leaders revealing some gaps in their internal self-awareness and they that when in doing so have made some changes that really help them be perceived and impact different externally. So an example, um, a very technical person who totally transformed the way they led their team, shifting from I don't think they really get it to, you know, my role is now to provide clarity, support and accountability. So he created structure and mechanisms for the team that weren't there before and also for the individuals, forums that helped people instead of expecting them just to call him if they had a problem. He became less intimidating, much more real to them. Um, and to his absolute shock, found that he really enjoyed running team development sessions to build skills of the team, but also in sessions like exploring and aligning with the company values. So he didn't change who he was, but when he recognised how he was coming across and what he needed to do to really boost the um, you know collective performance of his team, he found a way to lean into that discomfort and provide the team with what they needed rather than managing them in a way that he liked to be managed. So instead of relying on the maturity um, that comes from many years in life and organisations to build greater self-awareness, I really invite us today to think about continuing to do that work, bring some structure to it and accelerate that. No matter what career or life stage we're at, this growth is challenging and very rewarding. So we are still navigating the uh, pandemic, the global pandemic, and it's a crisis. We know that. And I think it, what it, it does do um, is it exposes us. It can magnify our challenges uh, that we're having in our lives and where we might be potentially misaligned. So some examples that I'm hearing and seeing include we can no longer do it all. We are forced now to be focused and, and we have to figure out what do we keep, what do we focus on and what do we throw out? What is our strategy now and how are we going to grow out of this? What about that manager that was always a little intense before and now that intensity or the attempt to really control situations is having a really negative impact on people? Or the leader who is just so nice and optimistic all the time and when we need to take appropriate um, action and make some big decisions here, we're not sure if they've really got the fire in the belly. Others who are having challenges sharing and navigating the domestic load at home, careers, home working, homeschooling, these kinds of things, communication gaps, alignment gaps in partnerships, personal and professional. So there's many more versions of that going on at the moment and a sense of what got us here is not necessarily what's going to get us there. So this podcast is all about bringing you people, stories and insights. I know you're open-minded people and this is about fueling your growth, which is what I hope we do here today. And we know to do that, to really focus on our growth, we have to create some space and this is what we're doing, space and inspiration to support you. We'll also touch in this discussion on the power of values, your values, and how they can guide us and how they can also really trigger us. I want you to consider right now, just think of a specific time when you've been confronted with a very important life decision, a choice you've had to make. It could be around a job, a job change, a career direction. It could be moving geographically. 
something that you were thinking about stopping or changing a course of direction or keeping going, an investment you were looking to make, a relationship that maybe was um, going to be over. Think about that and recall what were the criteria that you used to make that decision, to guide you in the process of making that decision. And how did you feel as you worked through that decision-making process? Was there a sense of ease and clarity of direction on the way forward or a lot of angst as you weigh up the pros, the cons, and sought input from others? Values that really, they help us. They help give us clarity on how to make decisions. So one of my values is authenticity. And whilst we're unlikely to be able to live and work fully aligned with our values all the time, I mean, well done if you do, that's amazing. But I know personally the frustration and the disappointment that I've felt at times when there's been a persistent sort of misalignment there around authenticity. But we own it. I own that. I own the development and the decisions around my alignment. So we do, do we see also, um, sorry, our values and what we value in our lives showing up each week in our schedules and where we're spending our time and energy and also in our relationships. Our presence and our impact in life and business and community is not something that we're just born with. Okay, maybe there are some people that are born with it, but for most of us, it's something that we can learn. I, of course, straight away thinking to the career and life stage that I'm in, in our 40s, in our mid-40s, and I look around and I see others kind of wondering, is this it? Is this actually what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life or is there an opportunity or a pivot point here for me to focus on myself and what my growth is and figure out what I really want to do? So visibility is actually for all of us. It's not just um, a concept for females or for males, but certainly in the work I've done and being a female and I, as I look around um, a lot of other female leaders that I know and I work with, I can see that there are some really clear opportunities there. And again, I, I'm included there. I reflect on the common scenario of women, you know, doing great work, putting their heads down, being humble getting on with it, and in doing so can actually be far less confident in finding a way to own the outcomes and make their work and their great impact and their outcomes and their leadership more visible to others. Yet on the other hand, you know, I only have to look at my kids for five minutes and hear them proudly owning, you know, everything and, and beyond. You know, very happy to make any chore completed around the house very visible to us key stakeholders, yet something happens and over time we learn not to do that. And in the workplace, I see those women with their heads down. So visibility for women is not about just doing what the men do and, and copying that, but finding a way to be, yes, uncomfortable and vulnerable, but be authentic about asking for what we want. You know, I, I think of promotions, I think of pay rises, um, I think of authentic ways to self-promote the work and the impact that you're having. So I've supported many women navigating these opportunities to get what they deserve and ask for what, you know, they need. And I've been there myself and I've rattled the cage and I've instantly felt that in doing so makes has made me, in a situation I'm thinking of, less likeable 
despite it being a much milder version of what my male peers would have done. So again, we go to ourselves and we keep supporting our own visibility here. So I see all you growers out there today and I welcome you back to the tribe. There's been much growing going on out there lately. I want to call out the teachers. I know I'm biased because I live with one, but teachers are, well, they're the real educators, aren't they? We cannot thank you enough, all the teachers, for being so agile and flexible and incredibly committed in the changes you've had to make um, through this pandemic. I think the corporate world actually can learn a lot from you. Someone else I heard from was considering now closing the gap between their work self and their real self. As they've worked from home through this, this pandemic, another side of them has become more visible and they are now considering closing that gap. Another leader recognised that in times of crisis that we've been leading in, they had really tightened their group on the team and it was not feeling good for them or for anyone else. So there was a real sense of um, incongruency there that they were now bravely addressing. Someone else celebrated progress. They lay down a very scary stretch revenue target for themselves. They were pretty fearful that they weren't going to make it, they weren't going to hit it, but they took the action, they kept showing up, and they smashed it. Someone else set up a new networking group. They took the lead, they took the action, and they created a forum to get like-minded people together. Another leader who was promoted, and upon being promoted, he had the self-awareness straight away to open up about his desire to continue to build his influence, skills and impact in the organisation. I want to welcome Sarah. So today I have Sarah Anderson with me. Sarah, I know you have a very diverse commercial background, working with a range of different leaders in your business now, entrepreneurs, um, on personal business at visibility strategy through your business, Visibility Co., which you founded with Julia May. Uh, it's fantastic to chat with someone else whose business model and approach really appreciates that independence between the personal and the professional and how they really come together. And you bring your commercial experience. I, you know, I see you work to the ANZ Bank amongst other organisations and you bring your life experience to this more holistic approach. We met in a yoga studio and, in fact, we were able to combine a few downward dogs that day with a very real and, and deep and great chat about business and culture and leadership all at the same time, obviously. So, Sarah, thank you for being here today with us so that we can become more visible, but also thank you for not making us get on a Zoom call with a video to become more visible. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much and thanks for the lovely introduction and I mostly love just hearing you talk about all the things that are in your orbit at the moment um, and we definitely have a lot in common I think in our worldview and, and the way that we're approaching everything that's happening in the world and I particularly loved how you talked about growing out of this um, this phase these shifting sands that we're in at the moment so I'm gonna I wrote that down I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with that 
Well, I'm very keen to hear kind of, you know, what you're, what you're seeing and, um, you know, hear about some of the work you're doing at the moment. But my first question for you is more of a personal one, Sarah. Um, so, and it's the one thing that I did give you a heads up on, you know, the rest of this conversation <laughs> is, is somewhat organic, but I wanted to ask you about when you feel really alive in your life. Mm. Um, it's a great question. And one that I think we don't, ask each other enough so I really appreciate the question and I, I when I saw that question that you sent through I committed to myself that I'm going to ask people that question instead of how are you <laughs> a bit more because I think it's um, you know the kinds of conversations we can potentially spark by asking people interesting questions like that and I'm a bit obsessed with great questions so forgive me um, but when when I read that question, the first thing that came to mind is, um, is art because I, I have a background in more creative fields and I've had a passion for the art since I was very young and have uh, dabbled in all kinds of different artistic fields, including drawing and I have a degree in art history and poetry and music and lots of things. But I remember when I was doing um, some post-grad study in managing arts organisations and the kind of cultures you find in arts organisations and someone asked me a similar question and I, I thought at the time, I actually feel most alive when I'm standing in front of or experiencing a piece of art and just I think what it does to me is it takes me out of my mind and into my flow and into my body and into kind of a different state um, of appreciating something that's been created from nothing which is just who we are as human beings I think and that really appears to, appeals to me and I think a part of that is just that I'm, I'm at my best and I'm in my greatest state of flow when it's about ideas and creating new visions and thoughts and ideas and so I think arts and the creative industries naturally do that but yoga does it to me as well definitely um, and I think the other context that I really feel that is when I'm in I'm with clients and doing that vision work and really creating intention whether that's with an individual or with a group and really creating something new that is going to be people's anchor of where they want to go that's um, just joyous to me and I feel completely uh, in my in my power but also just co-creating in a space like that really makes me feel alive it's really a real alignment isn't it when you can sort of um bring that creativity and how you feel when you're doing those more you know traditionally creative endeavors such as you know the, the arts or even yoga those things and and bring that feeling and that creativity into the work you're doing now, mm. which, you know, I think when people hear holistic, they sort of think, oh, you know, what is, yeah, is that, you know, sort of a bit patchouli. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I totally agree with you. I, I hesitantly use the word holistic and yeah. I try to yeah. find something else and I think it needs a bit of a rebrand. Um, and I, the word that I've come to that means a similar thing but is, is kind of less, has less baggage attached to it is, integral or integrated and there's yeah. amazing um reading i've been doing lately around integral theory and at the end of the day that's what we all are we're we're 
people and beings connected to others, connecting to, connected to the environments that we're living and working in. Um, so we can't, you know, if we try to compartmentalise ourselves and if we try to break down the pieces of who we are, um, it's, it's actually just a, a figment of our imagination anyway. It's not actually possible. We're all part of the, the systems that we operate within. So, of course, we're going to feel more congruent and more whole when we see ourselves as just um, one person that, that operates in lots of different places. It's funny that we have to put a word to it when, like you say, yeah. that, that is just our lived experience. Like, it's just a fact. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's science, actually. <laughs> People that might be listening thinking, so what are we talking about here, about visibility, you know? Mm. What, yeah. why, who? Like, help us bring it yes. to life a little bit. Yes. Uh, well, I'm always interested in getting people to answer that question for themselves first. So I'll just give people a moment to think, what, what yeah. do they think when, when you think about visibility? What, what comes up? Um, what do you associate that with? Um, because I guess maybe a little bit like holistic visibility comes with some certain connotations as well. Most people think about it as being, um, you know, your, your public reput reputation. And if you're wanting to grow your visibility, it's, it's about being seen by other people and and it is it is that um, but i guess the context in which we think about talk about teach um, collaborate around visibility is is seeing yourself as much as being being seen by others so visibility really com combines self-awareness and visionary leadership of yourself um, and of others with authentic strategic communications of how you then take your awareness of yourself out into the world and be purposeful and influential and impact impactful with that. Um, so our whole methodology around visibility combines purpose and understanding what's driving you and your vision um, with leadership, with strategy, with communications to really allow people to be visible in a way which is going to be sustainable um, and which is going to connect them up to who they really want to be in the, in the world. And that can be for an individual person or an organisation um, or a movement. Um, and so it works in all of those different, different contexts. But I think when, when, and when I say we, I'm talking about my, my business partner, Julia and I and, and our team, and when we were bringing together the methodology around visibility we realise that a lot of uh, different pieces of how visibility is done of say, you know, communications and engagement um, or leadership methodologies or even strategy, they're often done in really separate pieces. Yeah. And what we've seen is that when you bring those things together, mm. uh, they, the, the power of that as a combination, we've really seen this ability to unlock um, and accelerate change in, in people, in getting people into leadership positions and also just with accelerating impact against problems that people are trying to solve. Um, so I guess what we do is try to blend all of those things together and that's what we call visibility. And it's hard sometimes because we are trying to do lots of things in one, in one mix 
um, and that can make it difficult to people to understand because like we were saying before everyone wants to compartmentalize and go oh, well are you this are you that are you this uh, but we really try to bring those things together and that does feel good to people it feels authentic um, it feels like they can be themselves and it feels like they can bring the tools of visibility into how they interact in their relationships how they bring themselves into their family how they lead teams how they operate uh, in their organizations and kind of get into new realms of self-leadership leadership around others um, and you know something bigger so that's a little a little intro to how we think about it but obviously it's something that i could talk about all day and all the different yeah. elements of visibility <laughs> so maybe um yeah because i love that you're sort of touching on that external and internal sort of congruency, um, whether it's for an individual or, or as you say, more broadly in the organisation around how they do that. So maybe some examples, um, whether it's in it for individuals or companies where you've mm. seen doing some work and, and making an effort in this area to really have a look has led to some great outcomes. Yeah. I mean, it's probably useful for me to talk about uh, what we call the three pillars of visibility first, which is the basis right. of, of our philosophy around visibility, which is the first and foremost pillar of visibility is visibility to self. And that itself can be quite counterintuitive to people because our instincts when we're trying, having, having a drive around being visible or we feel like we need to use our voice around something is immediately to look at our context and go, well, you know, as you were saying in your intro, this strategy is not working for me or this manager of mine is problematic or my team is not delivering. And, and so our first step is to uh, externalise the problem rather than starting with ourselves. And what we see over and over and over again is that the majority of the work that people need to do around themselves, around their visibility, around the leadership is actually about on themselves. So knowing yourself, showing up to yourself, being able to articulate clearly for yourself and for other people what it is that drives you, what your values are, what your ultimate um, contribution is, is going to be, what you want your efforts to add up to and what kind of part of the problem you are trying to solve, what you're going to put your name next to and be known for. Um, and, and part of that is really knowing your strengths and where you let yourself down and your self-talk and what gets in the way and your challenges and your blind spots. But at the heart of visibility to self, it's about self-responsibility. It's taking responsibility for your thoughts and your feelings and your choices and cultures that you create and your influence on the systems that you are within. And when we do that first, not only do we really take our power back because we're saying, ah, oh, I have so much choice here. I have control yeah. here. I have the ability to influence where when you're just projecting that out into your environment onto a problem or a strategy or a person, you're actually losing your power in the process of doing that. So just that, that step of saying, okay, if there's a goal that I have around being visible or leading in a particular area, scrutinizing yourself and saying, okay, why, why do I want to do that? 
What's the impact that I want to have? Just that process alone can be absolutely revolutionary um, for people and is surprisingly rare that it's the first step that people go to. The second pillar of visibility then is visibility to others. And that's that part of it that people often associate with visibility. So that's, you know, it's, it is your reputation. It's how you engage with people. It can also be more of those public visibility platforms that people might think about of how you show up on social media or public speaking, commenting in the media, strategic networking, whatever those other um, tactics that you might use to be visible to others. But what we find is that when you start with visibility to self, the visibility to others piece is actually quite easy. It comes quite naturally. It's clear yeah. how you're going to need to be visible to others in order to deliver on that purpose and that vision that you've set to yourself, you've set to your set for yourself in understanding visibility to self. Um, and we have strategic communications backgrounds. So we have a lot of tools that we use in visibility to others and are passionate about being strategic in your visibility and particularly in visibility to others because visibility is something that you can really lose time and energy around and, and invest time into things that are not going to get you want where you want to go. And strategy is the other one that I think needs a rebrand, a bit of a makeover of the word. So I'm sure that you have views on this as well, but it's seen as quite a, you know, linear, structured, quite masculine art. But the way that I think about strategy is that it's how you use your time and energy effectively to get the outcomes that, that you want. So when you're being visible to others, you really want to be strategic about where you put your time and energy. And then the third pillar of visibility is collective visibility. And so that once you have that great platform for yourself and, and engagement with others, that's when you can really start using your visibility for a higher purpose um, or cause that you're, you're passionate about. So that might be something around your organisation. It might be around a cause that you're passionate about. It might be a, a movement or it might even just be someone else that, you're, that you want to support someone else's visibility. So that's the three pillars, starting with self and working out to context um, rather than externalising whatever, you know, the driver of, of our, our visibility is. Uh, we had a great example recently delivering a, a masterclass around visibility for influence and impact for women in the public sector. And it, it was a, a woman that came in kind of saying, um, my biggest issue at the moment is that my boss doesn't see me. She, you know, I'm invisible to her. She um, is quite dismissive of the contribution that I make. And there was very much this um, external point of reference. And when we went through the tools with her and, and the methodology, she came away on the first day and just said, I've just had you know, an epiphany that actually it's me that isn't making myself visible. I'm not doing any of the work to demonstrate my value. I'm not putting a proposition on the table. I haven't been showing her the work that I've done. 
Um, and, and you can see just in a simple example like that, where you get into a narrative of it's that other person's problem. Yeah. And I'm going to focus it on, on them. Um, and just having creating some space to have some moments of reflection to take it back to you and say, what could I be doing differently? Suddenly you change the whole dynamic. So that's the, the flow we would love to encourage when people think about their visibility, that they really spend that time and invest time in, in visibility to self and understanding your drivers and your contribution to um, a system or a dynamic that you're trying to change before you you then go and change the system which is really why that it just makes so much sense to sort of invest um in, and do some work in this area for, because it's those you know like i said those external challenges that i've seen so consistently and expressed so externally over so many years yeah <laughs> are a great example of it starting with us really and yeah. in organizational life we have the best intent to support people to be able to do that but many of the times operational issues get in the way we could add it to the list of things that make sense but but we don't do them yeah and, that, and that's that's true and, it, and it's i think we see that all the time that um you know, for a really busy executive that they're sitting there going, okay, I've got this strategy for uh, this project or whatever I need to deliver on for these KPIs. And I have a strategy in my mind of how I'm going to manage my team and enable us to deliver against that. But do they have a strategy for themselves? Do they have a leadership strategy? Do they have uh, something that they've mapped out that they commit to and, and allow to govern them in the same way as we do for these big external strategies. So very few people do. Uh, so it, it is at a pragmatic level, you know, that just suggestion that actually I should have a strategy for myself and understand what I want that to look like and how I'm going to step up and, and articulate that into some kind of map that I can follow that overlaps with those biggest strategies and intentions that I have um, in the workplace or, or with my team. And it sounds simple, but it's, I think one of the things about it is it feels really vulnerable when you're in that. And, yeah. you know, vulnerability is something that is such a buzzword at the moment. And, you know, I absolutely love Brené's, Brené Brown's work and everything she's done that in that space. But I think what doesn't get spoken about enough and it comes up, in that visibility to self space is it feels terrible when you're in it. It's not something that, you know, we, we can say, oh yeah, you know, be vulnerable. And, but it, it can often feel really yucky and really hard when you're in, in, in vulnerability. So it's, it's something that you have to be conscious of. And you mentioned before this idea of having clarity around your, say, just say your personal values, using that as an example. Yeah which then becomes much greater guideposts for you, doesn't it? In terms of, you know, how you do show up and where you do spend your, your time and your energy and, you know, which connections are important. So maybe I think sometimes when people hear, you know, purpose and values, they do think mm. it's very fuzzy and um, they're not sure where to start because it is sometimes a little challenging to do that work, like you say, and, and dig in deep, um, really connect with, I guess the fire within them. So often I see people have become disconnected with why did they even become, for example, a leader in the first place? 
So as we think about this idea of, um, well, the prize of doing this work and maybe kind of where to start personally. I mean, values are critical. They are absolutely at the bedrock of, of visibility, in my view, and in the way that we navigate the world. And I think once you start to become aware of values, you realise that they really are those underlying drivers that are governing our behaviour all the time. And what I love to, what I love to tell to get invite people into with values. If you don't really know what your values are, or you haven't properly articulated them before, is just to think about the times that you get irrationally angry or agitated about something. And often that is a signal that your values are being compromised in some way. And I'll give you an example about my own values. So, so my top values are authenticity, courage, fairness, and creativity. And that's been a process over years of getting that clarity around what they are. But with the fairness value, um, I know that that comes from growing up in a family where I had five siblings. And so, you know, there was all this, always this tussle going on for attention and things and toys and whatever, all those things that happen in a big family, which I absolutely loved growing up in a big family, but it does kind of create this sense of fairness and justice in you. Um, And so fairness plays out for me in lots of different ways, in really big picture ways in the sense that I'm, really passionate about social justice issues and committed to using my work to create culture change and systems change and and solve big problems. But at the same time, it plays out in the funniest small ways that are almost embarrassing at the same time. So I have a real problem with queue jumping, with um, people dropping litter. I get agitated about things that are really unfair that I see as unfair and I find myself getting angry about things that really you know I shouldn't waste too much time and energy on them but but now that I know that it's values I see it playing out all the time Um, and I think the invitation is just to take a moment when you do have things like that coming up where you think this is disproportionate to the issue that I have in front of me I think is this something is this something being compromised that I really, really value? And so that's a good way in to values and just to start to reflect on them and navigate them. I mean, there's lots of different ways that that people use values, but I know in my own story that um, they've absolutely governed, now that I look back, they've absolutely governed my whole career and how I've ended up where where I am in the sense that you know I spent 15 years working in big organizations and corporates around the world in communications and corporate affairs and coaching executives about how they create connection and and engage with their audiences but I realized that that so much of how I taught being taught to communicate as a professional communicator was completely in conflict with my values and how mm. organizations are taught to communicate is you know there's one person that speaks for everyone usually the ceo or a spokesperson um, there's you know you you take the things that you want people to hear and you shine them up and you put them out there into the public and the other stuff you just put 
under the carpet and don't let that, that bit get seen. Um, all of these things that are just, you know, when I was working in PR and those kinds of areas are completely not just normal, but that's how you're taught to do things. Um, my top value is authenticity. Like it was, it was constantly being smashed all the time. So when I was going through my career, I was thinking, you know, there's got to be a different way of engaging, of communicating in ways that feel authentic to people, particularly for women, when they, they feel in, often in corporate environments that they can't bring all of themselves, they can't communicate authentic, authentically. So that's why in, you know, developing this visibility methodology, it's all about starting with values and purpose and vision and these things that they are buzzwords, but when you go into exploring them, it's really about understanding yourself and setting intention for yourself that is going to take you where you want to go. So I'm just, I just love values. They're mind blowing for people when, when you're able to create space. Um, but I would just say, just start with noticing your reactions to things and what they might tell you about, about your values. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, my mind's going lots of places, but it makes me think about um, a greater appreciation for inclusion and difference as well. Once you've got that ability Absolutely. to articulate and can clarify. So that even when you're catching yourself getting worked up about, you know, someone jumping in a, in a line to grab a coffee, you know, or whatever it is that you know why that's, that's triggering yep. for you and that you can appreciate that not everyone has those same sort of um, values. So I think there's a really interesting link to inclusion, right. but also decision-making, isn't there? Yeah. Like what you said, when yep. often when we're misaligned in our jobs, our, our careers, our companies, whatever it is, you know, we know that there's bits that don't feel great, but I think we, you know, and I'm, I can talk to myself mm. as well, you know, about myself, we can, we can justify and can we make tweaks and, you know, I know that you and I aren't talking here about everyone needs to go and, you know, quit their job or do something really <laughs> different, but what can happen with this work is that those misalignments do become a little bit clearer and we can make some decisions, whether it's within what we're doing now in that context or to do something different from a place of greater clarity um, and, and confidence and, and conviction, I think, around it feeling better and probably us being able to have a greater impact as well. Yeah, and I think the, that it, it can be those small tweaks with values where you, to your point, um, are able to be more tolerant uh, and inclusive because you, what values do is, is it depersonalizes things. You, you suddenly go, it's not that Melissa and I don't like each other and we have a problem. It's that we have different values on this issue. And it, it's, it's really a differentiating kind of thing, but then they can be um, life-changing things as well. I, I know that when I articulated my values for the first time and I saw what they really were within six months I quit my corporate career I started a business I left my husband um, and I moved and I, I pretty much upended my life because I saw how incongruent my life as it was then was with my values and it was very painful and it's that 3am wobbles thing when you wake up just thinking something's not right um and yeah that it can be a really 
painful process where you do need a radical overhaul, but at the same time, it might not be. It might just become be getting more used to how they play out in your life and just gently aligning to them a little bit more to create more ease and congruence for yourself. Which sort of goes back to this whole thing about creating the space you know, to actually mm. do that sort of work. And that's why I, I think about the 40s because there are those years in the career where people are pushing hard. Um, but it's also a life stage where people may be, you know, like your example, thinking, you know, there's, there's something that's not quite feeling, you know, I'm successful yet if I'm honest with myself, you know, I'm not sure I'm really feeling it, you know. Mm-hmm starting with ourself and then focusing on others. So, you know, whilst I could keep you here for hours, Sarah, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to make sure that I put your website and because I know you've got some great resources on your website, actually. Uh, also, I'll put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And I'm also, I'll also get that um, integral theory um, yes. work as well, because I agree with you on the whole holistic thing. But um there's a great book if you're interested in that, that I, I think it's, it's in my top three books I've ever read and it has a lot of integral theory in it. It's called A New Republic of the Heart um, and it's an absolutely fabulous and such a timely read for right now and it's about kind of combining that integral theory of understanding how the world works with how as an individual person, an individual leader, we can create practices that allow us to think not just for ourselves but for the the greater context and world that we're living in. So I could not recommend that more highly. Sounds amazing. And we love hearing about resources. So with all of that, I'm going to challenge all of us, um, me included, to slow down and, and maybe even stop to create that space before we do figure out where we want to go to grow in our lives. So thank you so much, Sarah for sharing all of your gems today. And it was, it's very challenging for me not to keep you here for hours and maybe we'll get to chat with you again another day. It's been absolutely my pleasure. And I might just leave people with the invitation just because I've, I've recently finished my, my pranayama, my breathwork teacher training. Oh, Um, the easiest, easiest way you can create space right now, right at this second is just by taking three really deep breaths and just allowing yourself to reconnect that way. And I absolutely guarantee you, you will feel more spacious in the next hour, in the next few minutes, if you just take three breaths. Simple is beautiful. Enjoy your visibility out there, everyone, and keep growing. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I'm very excited as we build this growing community of growers and I'd love to hear your feedback on anything you want to hear more about people that you think would be great for us to have a chat with. Please leave me some feedback or if you want any support, use the functions via the podcast or the email, the Facebook group or the Instagram, all of it in the notes. I'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to see your pictures of you growing and what you're working on. Please share the podcast and review it in iTunes as we build this community. Thanks so much.